and welcome to the 411th episode of Travel Itch Radio. I'm your host, Dan Schlossberg, along with my friend and co-host, Mary Ellen Nugent Lee. And this is the 10th season of Travel Itch Radio, the show that lets you enjoy the pleasures of travel from the comfort of your armchair. Every week at this time, we talk to people representing destinations, hotels, airlines, railroads, car rental companies, and others in the world of travel and hospitality, from authors and bloggers to broadcasters and publicists. If it's got anything to do with travel, it's got everything to do with Travel Itch Radio. And now, listeners, tonight we have a special treat. Since today is the birthday of my esteemed co-host and friend Dan Schlossberg, I thought we'd turn the tables and find out more about Dan's fascinating travels and career. So without further ado, I'm very pleased to be talking with the founder, host, and executive producer of Travel Itch Radio. And I want to tell our listeners that this was not my idea. I didn't put Mary Ellen up to this. <laughs> this was totally her idea. And on pain of death, I said yes. <laughs> now, Dan, first of all, our audience at Travel Itch Radio is familiar with you as a travel writer and broadcaster, but you wear a completely different hat as a baseball journalist. Which do you prefer? When my team is winning, I prefer being a baseball writer. Actually, that's just a joke because for many years, my team, the Atlanta Braves, was actually the bad news Braves. They even made a movie about it. They were pretty awful, but they had some good players. and It was fun to follow them. But the best thing was I was a fan as a kid. I loved to play baseball, and then later I loved to collect baseball cards, and it was such a thrill to turn that love of games and toys into a career as a professional baseball writer and to meet all these guys who were baseball cards to me originally and became real people, people like Hank Aaron, who just passed away in January, many other Hall of Fame people, and I've done a lot of baseball cruises too, as you know, and we'll be talking about that later. So I do love being a baseball writer and a baseball journalist and rubbing elbows with all these baseball people. But travel is great because just as in baseball, there's something different every day. Every trip is different. Every press group is different. So I love both of them equally, and I cover them about 50-50. <laughs> now, many moons ago, I don't want to date us. I began my career covering sports for United Press International around the same time that you started out as a sports writer for Associated Press. So how did you make that transition into travel writing? Well, I began with the AP right out of college. I graduated Syracuse University with a double BA degree in journalism and political science because I originally wanted to be a White House reporter. But Richard mm. Nixon was president in 1968, and that kind of turned me off. So I said, you know what? I love baseball. How about if I become a baseball writer? And I didn't even know there was such a thing about as travel journalism, because when I went to journalism school, it was never mentioned, never discussed. And I found out about it later. So when I was with the AP, working midnight to eight, to eight or crazy shifts like that, and working on weekends as well, I decided that was not a very good time for me because it just was messing up my sleeping habits pretty poorly, even though I was in my very early 20s. So I looked around for another job and found a job as editor of Motor Club News, which was put out by Motor Club of America. And that was my first regular hours job working for, 
you know, as the editor and writer of that publication. It had three editions, a total circulation of 125,000. It was a tabloid newspaper, and we had to talk about things like road safety and deficient bridges and drug abuse, <laughs> issues that wow. were important to issues that were important to them because they had several different insurance companies, including MCA and the Garden State Life Insurance Company and others. But they also had a large travel agency, and my boss decided to, to have me cover events related to travel and at the end of each article to put book through MCA travel. So I got to go on trips. I got to go to press conferences and meet other travel writers and travel editors, and that's how I transitioned into travel writing. And it's been a great ride ever since. That was 50 years ago. Wow, that is fantastic. Now, now, when you travel for spring training, the All-Star Game, the World Series, and your other baseball events, do you keep an eye out for interesting subjects for your travel writing, too? What are some of your favorite baseball haunts that you'd recommend for travelers who may not be particularly interested in the game? Okay, first I'll answer the first question first, and then I'll answer the second one, which makes kind of sense anyway. But, yes, I always keep an eye out for travel when I'm doing baseball writing and vice versa. I always keep an eye out for baseball when I'm doing travel writing. In other words, if, if I want to cover an event such as the All-Star Game in Denver this year, I'm going to find out what else I can do in Colorado when I'm out there. I can write about the city of Denver. Maybe I can go to the Colorado Rockies and go into Vail and Aspen in the summer, which are beautiful, and I know that because I used to do their publicity when I worked years ago for M. Silver Associates, where I understand you work too, Morris Silver. Yes. <laughs> that was, that's a New York travel firm, travel PR firm, and that was my client, Colorado Centennial Resorts. As far as some of my baseball haunts, I recommend a place called Cooperstown, New York, not only because it's the home of the Baseball Hall of Fame, but it's also where James Fenimore Cooper wrote Last of the Mohicans. And a lot of the places he wrote about Glimmer Glass Lake is now Lake Otsego. It's, it's the same place. And you can see a statue of James Fenimore Cooper right next to the Baseball Hall of Fame. It's a great place, a small, quiet town, two blocks long, one traffic light, one solitary flagpole, a great place, especially when you don't go on induction weekend. Induction weekend is a madhouse. It's kind of like baseball Woodstock. But any other time <laughs> of the year that you want to go, you can really enjoy and explore the Baseball Hall of Fame and the Farmers Museum and the Art Museum and the Opera Museum. And you could stay at the Otisaga Hotel, which is where the ballplayers stay when they do have induction weekend. It's a great old member of Historic Hotels of America, which has been featured on this show many times. So get to Cooperstown, enjoy it, have a great time. Also, I want to recommend the Yogi Berra Museum, which is in Little Falls, New Jersey, on the campus of Montclair State University. It is a smaller version of the Baseball Hall of Fame and has many different aspects to it, including Yogi as a – Yogi was actually in the uh, D-Day battle. He landed on Omaha Beach. He won a Purple Heart. And there are many oh. things in the Yogi Berry Museum that pertain to things Yogi did as a civilian, not only as a ball player. And finally, I want to recommend a place that is not there at the moment but is coming back, a bar in New York called Foley's, which is like oh. the Hall of Fame with food. Foley's actually went out of business temporarily because Sean Clancy, who owned it, couldn't make a go of it during the pandemic. 
but he's told me that he's thinking about coming back somewhere, and as soon as he does, that will be a great place to go and just sit and have comfort food and have a drink and talk about baseball and enjoy the memorabilia that is on every wall and hanging from the ceiling and even hangs in the men's room. I can't tell you about the ladies' room. <laughs> I will meet you there. Let, we got we to gotta date, Dan. <laughs> I now, love boys. I, oh, I do too. I didn't. I didn't realize it was coming back. That's such great news. Now tell me. We don't. We don't know it, where, but it, it'll be back. Oh, uh, we'll be there, you and I. <laughs> okay, it's a date. <laughs> now, isn't most of your travel in North America? How many states have you visited, and what are some of your most memorable places in the U.S.? This is going to be a long-winded answer. I visited almost all the states, just about all wow. the states, including Alaska and Hawaii. My favorite places, the Four Corners has to rank number one. That is the only place in the country where four states meet. It's Arizona, Utah, New Mexico, and Colorado, the Four Corners. Really a great place. All four of those states are wonderful to travel in, and I really like that area, the Lake Powell area. I've been on a houseboat on Lake Powell several times, one of the most scenic places I've ever seen in the world. I Mm. love to go up to Maine, especially in the Mm. summer, coastal Maine. We're talking about Kennebunkport, that area, really beautiful. I know the Bush family compound is up there. In fact, I saw George Bush on his – George H.W. Bush, the first uh, Bush president, saw him on his boat. He waved to me. I waved back, actually, with all five fingers, although I thought otherwise, no. I waved back to him. He was, he was followed by a raft that said Secret Service, and I wondered how it could be secret if it was painted on the side of the raft. <laughs> and, and, of course, I love the Colorado Rockies because I did publicity for them when there was a group called the Colorado Centennial Resorts in their centennial year of 1976. And that was an M. Silver Associates client that I represented. There were nine different resort associations, including Vail and Aspen. Beautiful country out there. I've been to Hawaii many times. I love Hawaii. I love mm-hmm. Hawaii Five-0 as well, but I love being in Hawaii. Uh, San Francisco is my favorite city by far. But I mm-hmm. also love the East Coast cities, the megalopolis, from Washington all the way up to Boston. I love New York. Boston, Philadelphia, and especially D.C. and all the monuments. I told you that was going to be a long-winded answer. (laughs) Now, I know you've been abroad, too. What are some of your top international destinations? I've been on a Mediterranean cruise that stopped in Athens and Rome, so I think that should help answer that question. But I've Mm -hmm. also been to Israel twice and loved being there. I felt at home there. It was just incredible. And also went on a trip to Scotland's Northern Highlands and went to the Loch Ness and was disappointed I didn't see any monsters. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. We're talking to travel and baseball writer Dan Schlossberg, the host and founder of Travel Itch Radio. Now, Dan, do you travel all year round? And how do you choose the destinations you want to cover? I do travel all year round. I like to get away when it's winter here and warm someplace else, such as baseball spring training in Florida, which I've been to every single year except for this year, this 2021. I did not go to spring training, but I was even there in 2020 when the curtain fell, the iron curtain fell on the sports world and the show world on March 12, 2020. I was at baseball spring training then. 
So I do travel all year, and I've also traveled to places where I could ski. I've gone to West Virginia to ski, which is a great undiscovered ski destination. I've skied in Colorado. So I choose the destinations I want to cover because of the invitations I get to press trips, but also because PR people have asked me if I wanted to come on an individual press trip. And so if I cover an event like Historic Hotels of America annual gala, I'd go to that. We had one in Hershey, Pennsylvania, which I really enjoyed. I've also gone to IPW, which is International Pow Wow, for about 10 years in a row now, and it's always in different places. This year it's going to be in Las Vegas. The baseball winter meetings are always in some exotic place, although one year they picked Toronto in January, and that wasn't that exotic. <laughs> However, the King Tut Museum, was, King Tut exhibit was there. I couldn't get a ticket to it in New York, but I did see it in Toronto when the temperature oh. was three below zero. So good things <laughs> do happen occasionally. No. Have you ever revisited a place you'd covered, and, and what happened? I've often visited a place I've covered before because I enjoyed it so much. I'll give you an example. New Hope, Pennsylvania, which is only about an hour and a half from home, there's an inn called the Wedgwood Inn. It's part of a three-inn collection owned and operated by Carl Glassman from my hometown of Passaic, New Jersey. And I love to go to New Hope, not just for a special occasion, but just to see Carl and his wife, Deanie. And they found traces of the Underground Railroad from the Civil War right in their backyard. So it's become a historic spot. And New Hope, by the way, is very close to the spot where George Washington crossed the Delaware and awoke the sleeping Hessians, surprised them, and turned the tide of the Revolutionary War. So it's a very historic area, also very close to Philadelphia. So I love New Hope, Pennsylvania. And other destinations that I go to, places I've been before that I love, like San Francisco, like Atlanta, the home of the Braves. I try to get down there about once a year. I love the West Coast of California, and both north and south. I was in Mendocino, that area, Mendocino County, for a family wedding in October of 2019 and stopped off, of course, in San Francisco. And I do have family living in Beverly Hills. My cousin Stephen Macht, who's an actor, his son Gabriel Macht is the star of Suits, a former oh, show on USA you. Network that was quite successful. And I love to visit my family when I go out to the L.A. area. So, yes, I travel all year. I travel all different places. I accept invitations, and I also arrange my own itineraries. That's super. Now, I know you were born in the Bronx but lived most of your life in northern New Jersey. Is the Jersey Shore one of your favorite places? You better believe it. I love <laughs> Wildwood, especially Wildwood. But I love the entire Jersey Shore from Bradley Beach on south all the way down to Cape May. In Wildwood, there's an inn that I really want to recommend to our listeners. In fact, we've had the innkeeper, Sheila Brown, as our guest on Travel It Radio. The name of the inn is Summer Nights. She has six 50s-themed rooms. She has a Marilyn Monroe room, an Elvis room, all different rooms, a 50s room, a 60s room, a TV room. She has jacuzzis inside and outside her inn. She wears a poodle skirt. She told me she owns over a dozen different poodle skirts. She has a jukebox that plays 50s music. Great place. It's really wonderful place. Summer nights in Wildwood. Oh, so I want to go. So many I want to go. It's a block <laughs> and a half from the beach. That's the best part. Oh, that's so cool. 
Now, I know your pieces have to appeal to a wide range of travelers. You've got spring breakers, honeymooners, millennials, families, people on a budget, and those who have more to spend. What's your secret to showcasing all the different aspects of a destination while keeping everyone engaged? I love to use humor in my writing, try to be as funny as I can, tell funny things that happened to me personally or funny things that I encountered from the innkeepers or whomever is hosting me. And I like to appeal to all different things by including a different aspect from each of those groups that you mentioned, honeymooners, families, people on a budget, even business travelers. And Mm, the secret is thinking about the kind of trips that I've been on myself because I've been on all those trips, business trips, conventions, personal trips, romantic trips, everything. You name it, I've done it. And a lot of baseball trips, of course. (laughs) Now, we're talking to travel and baseball writer Dan Schlossberg, the host and founder of Travel Itch Radio and my very dear friend on his birthday. So tell me, Dan, besides Travel Itch Radio, what are some of the other outlets where your travel coverage appears? Well, if you're ready for a good laugh, I'm the former travel editor of Hooters Magazine. And, yes, we're talking about the same Hooters, the girls, you know, the place the guys go for the wings. Anyway, they actually they have a magazine, which I actually found by accident at Barnes & Noble and wrote to the publisher. And I was a travel editor for quite some time. And I wrote a one-page travel column called Hot Spots, which was very appropriate for that magazine. But I'm also the former travel editor of New Jersey Lifestyle at Your Leisure magazine. I've written for the New York Post, the Bergen Record, the Denver Post, a lot of airline magazines. And I also wrote a column called On the Road for Yankees magazine, published by the New York Yankees. This was a column that featured destinations that where the Yankees were going to go play on the road, and people who couldn't get tickets in Yankee Stadium could go on the road, see the Yankees, and also enjoy the cities they are playing in. That's terrific. And I also know in 1991 you founded the North American Travel Journalists Association, and you were their president for many years. Now you're president president emeritus. What made you want to take on that leadership role? I thought that there should be a really solid organization for travel journalists. There was a group called Society for American Travel Writers, SATW, which still exists. It is the oldest and largest travel writers group. However, it's also a very political group. At the time that I founded NAJDA, North American Travel Journalists, you could only get into SATW if two incumbent members sponsored you. To me, that made it very political. To get Mm -hmm. into NAJDA, you just had to prove you were a legitimate, working, credentialed travel journalist. And that's why we founded that organization. And by the way, it's grown from six initial members in 1991 to nearly 500 members today. Oh, that's fantastic. And you've won dozens of first-place prizes from NACHA, the Garden State Journalists Association, and even Historic Hotels of America. Which ones are the most special to you? You may think this is odd, but the most special one – was the one I got from Historic Hotels of America in 2015 because it was the very first time they gave this award. It was Historic Journalist of the Year. I have been to more than 50 members of Historic Hotels of America, and because of my coverage of their properties, they voted me Journalist of the Year, and to win it the first time was really an honor. And just by contrast, 
the next time they gave that award in 2016, the winner was Peter Greenberg. Wow. Talk about good company. You guys are the best. <laughs> well, they wanted us to start a law firm, Schlossberg and Greenberg. <laughs> Dan, tell us about your baseball-themed cruises. I remember you were the creator of the concept 40 years ago. Was it because of your involvement in both baseball and travel? Yes, it was. Alice Marshall, who then did PR for Cunard, which is the parent company of the QE2, knew that I was a travel writer and a baseball writer, and she was thinking of new ways to bring passenger traffic aboard the QE2. And she said, you know what? How would you like to do a baseball theme cruise, invite one or two players, bring baseball movies, have a trivia contest, talk baseball, and we'll promote it in the sports pages. We don't have a presence. We don't attract anybody in the sports pages. And that's exactly what we did. And the very first baseball cruise and the very first guest, by the way, was Bob Feller, who's now deceased, but he was a member of the Baseball Hall of Fame. He was our only guest on the first baseball cruise, and it was aboard the QE2 in 1981. Oh, I love Bob Feller. Rest his soul. What a nice guy. Uh, by the way, Mary Ellen, we, we've done, I shouldn't say we've done, but my co-hosts and I, different people I've worked with, have done two dozen baseball team cruises since, and we have our own miniature Hall of Fame of people who've gone. The, the best way to do it, I've had as many as six players, but it's best to work with three or four because when you have that press conference, you don't want guys sitting up there just twiddling their thumbs while other guys are answering questions. Mm-hmm. Now, at the end of the show, when time permits, you tell Travel Itch Itch Radio listeners about your book, The New Baseball Bible. In fact, you've written 38 baseball books, including ghostwritten autobiographies of former Major League player Ron Ron Blomberg, sportscaster Milo Hamilton, and umpire Al Clark. Have you written any travel books? Not yet. It's an idea that I would really like to explore. I've written so many travel columns that could be put together in book form. And I think now is the time because coming out of the pandemic, brick and mortar bookstores are reopening and it will be a great way to make a dent in that market. So I'd like to put together a series of like best of travel columns by Dan Schlossberg. And by the way, I have certain quirks and things that I do and don't do. I don't smoke, for example, and I really detest cigarette smoke with a passion. I drink only an occasional glass of wine. So my books will be a little bit different, and it will be for an older crowd, probably a senior crowd. But it would be of interest, I think, to just about everybody. Oh, I absolutely think so. Actually, I know so. You're listening to Travel Itch Radio with Dan Schlossberg and Mary Ellen Nugent Lee. Listen live on iTunes or Blog Talk Radio. Archive shows are on our Facebook page. Now, we're talking to travel and baseball writer Dan Schlossberg, the host and founder of Travel Itch Radio. Dan, what would you say are the risks and rewards of travel writing? The rewards are really obvious. Going somewhere, especially someplace that you really enjoy, if you have good weather, that's, that's very helpful, obviously. Uh, One of the risks is you can go somewhere and have terrible weather. In fact, I once went to Catalina Island off the coast of California when they had the worst flood in their history, and I couldn't even go out of my hotel room. 
You couldn't take the boat because the boat wasn't running. You couldn't fly off the island. You were just stuck in your room. And, you know, this was pretty bad. They were piling up sandbags all over the place to prevent landslides. It was a pretty good story, but not what they wanted to hear. At the same time, I was also in the Bahamas leading a press trip when it snowed for the only time in the history of the Bahamas. And this was a Morris Silver press trip. My client was Princess Hotels, and I was at one of the Princess Resorts. We had invited writers from all over the country, and Eileen Nastassi was there to promote the whole thing and was going to play an exhibition match against Vetus Gerolitis. And Nastassi looked at the snow and said, I don't play in snow. In the meantime, the people were looking out their windows saying, what's this? They never saw snow before. So we got a lot of press, but it wasn't necessarily the press we wanted. <laughs> but what an experience. Oh, my goodness. Now, Dan, do you, oh, yeah. prefer to, do, you, do you prefer to travel alone or with a group? I like both, but when you're with a group, you take a risk. You talked about risk a minute ago. Take a risk that there might be one bad apple in the barrel. Mm-hmm. For example, I was on a press trip once when there was a guy who claimed he represented Copley News Service, but I later found out that was not true. And they had a buffet breakfast. And there was a barrel of, I believe it was apples. He reached his bare arm into that barrel of apples and touched every single apple he could with the arm. That was not good. This guy also delighted in smoking in the elevator when other people were there with him. Oh, that's disgusting. Yes, you do take a risk. But also, if you're on your own, you can set your own itinerary, your own schedule. If you're with a group... You might have to adhere to a schedule that includes things that you don't want to do. That's the risk. So the smaller the group, the better off you are because you can be more flexible. Pandemic has decimated the travel and hospitality industry in the past year. How has it affected travel journalism? A lot of travel sections have evaporated. Even the New York Post, which used to run a weekly Tuesday travel section, does it only very occasionally now. The problem is advertising dollars have dried up a lot, and because of that, you know, it's hard to produce a travel section. A lot of magazines have gone under, too, or less pages. Online has taken over the Internet, so that's made it more difficult. Hmm. Do you think those other uh, avenues will come back? I believe they will. I really think they will because things are opening up now, and people want what they used to have, what they remember. Now, you told us some funny things that happened to you while traveling. Uh, have any of them ever made into your made it into your stories? The funniest ones won't aren't fit for print in a family newspaper. <laughs> so I try to be as funny. I try to be as funny as I can in each story, even with my language. I love alliterations and not just in sports stories. So I try to be cute and try to be funny because I want to hold pe- hold people's attention. And also the lead of each story, the, the very first line. I once wrote a story about Bermuda, and my lead was only two words, think pink. <laughs> oh. Our listeners always enjoy hearing about our guests' background and schooling. Now, what inspired you to go into journalism? My father was a doctor, a radiologist, and my mother was a nurse, but I couldn't stand the sight of blood. However, I always liked to write from the time I was a little kid in elementary school, and I was on the school newspapers everywhere I went, and 
went to Syracuse University because I knew they had a great journalism school. And right mm-hmm. out of college, went to the Associated Press after spending my summers at the Passaic Herald News. So enjoyed writing of all kinds, and that's why I did it. And I still do enjoy writing of all kinds. Before we go, the theme music for Travelers Radio, Traveling Man, is absolutely perfect. How did you pick it? A lot of long, hard thought went into it, but I figured travel and man, perfect combination. It's an upbeat song. It's an upbeat show. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that we've asked that you'd like to add? Uh, just that we're running out of time. And my website, <laughs> for those who would like to see more, go to danschlossberg.net. Oh, my thanks to Dan Schlossberg, my dear friend, my co-host, and the founder of Travel Itch Radio for being such a good sport tonight. I'm going to turn the mic back over to you to close us out, and happy, happy birthday. Thank you so much, Mary Ellen. And that's it for this edition of Travel Itch Radio. Next week, same time, same station, same writer and same announcers. We'll be speaking with Tony Martinelli about great train trips. Now, this is Dan Schlossberg, along with my beautiful and talented co-host, Mary Ellen Nugent Lee, saying thank you for your time this time. Until next time, good night and stay safe. (laughs) 